When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Real Vision Podcast Network. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. It's Tuesday, October 19, 2021. I'm Ash Bennington. It's TG Tuesday. I'm joined once again by Tony Greer of Morning Navigator. Lots happening right now. Lots to talk about. Bitcoin, it looks like near an all-time high. I'm looking at my Bloomberg terminal right now, 64,005 at the moment on a 52-week high of 64,869. But if you're looking at a different index with a different weighting, your mileage may vary, getting very close to all-time highs. Let's take a look at U.S. equity markets. It looks like a lot of green on the screen today, uh, but not a whole lot of movement. S&P 500 up 0 spot 74 on the day on a percentage basis closing out it looks like still getting settled here at 4519 Nasdaq up spot 0 spot 71% closing at 15129 lots to talk about here today in addition to Bitcoin over 64,000. ProShares Bitcoin strategy ETF today. This is the futures ETF we've been talking about here on the show. Has started trading. We'll talk about that. Also, earnings, particularly bank earnings, and something that I know is on Tony Greer's mind, uranium. With that said, Tony Greer, welcome back to the show. What do you say, Slash? How's everything, my man? Uh, things are going great, man. So what do you think? What's going on here? A lot happening in the space. Uh, what are your views right now of these markets? Yeah, you know, you started with Bitcoin, so we may as well begin there. Um, it, really impressive. I'm calling it, you know, I'm calling it basically the best Liberty Treasury hedge that you can find out there. Um, you know, Bitcoin rallies when the Federal Reserve officials get caught with their hands in the cookie jar. Bitcoin rallies when um, headline inflation hits the tape. Bitcoin rallies when hard assets rally. Um, it's building a really nice case for itself in the long run. In the short run, I have to imagine that it's a little bit overbought going into the ETF launch. Just sentimentally, historically speaking, that's how things go. You know, if you remember Glencore went public at the top of the commodity cycle. Um, you know, we've seen various other indicators like that. This kind of rhymes. For something like um, someone like me that's trying to imply, you know, old school macro rules to it, but she's coming off her third consecutive week of 10% gains or more, and you know, it's really just a great expression of like the best performing inflation hedge in town, and so I think that continues. The stage is set right now, Ash, for you know the Bloomberg Commodity Index or the commodity sector and the S and P to go into another power curve of the trade as of basically last week, as far as I'm concerned. So that's how I'm looking at the world. Mm. You know, getting back to Bitcoin, it looks like we've got a little bit of a, a buy the rumor, buy the news trade here. Let's actually take a look, if we can, uh, at the ProShares Bitcoin Strategy ETF, which trades under the symbol BITO, B-I-T-O. So there you have it. That's the first day trading. Apparently, very heavy volume uh, in the shares of the ETF. 
uh, today. And Tony, while we're pulling up charts, uh, one other thing that I wanted to take a look at on the screen and to get your view on uh, is WTI. What's happening right now with oil prices? The West Texas Intermediate Variety you're speaking of. Yes, Ash? Yes, sir. Yeah, you know, the, the we are now once again in sort of a technical gap for WTI. You know, that chart right there shows a really nice picture of, of the trend upward off of the bottom, um, which was probably a little bit even before Jan 2021, but still, you know, shows the new breakout through that 75 high really nicely. We haven't had much of a pullback since then. Um, my sense is because through $80 or so, we are in that freefall area from the oil crisis back in 2015. We've discussed on this show that from $100 down to $80 was a really big air pocket, happened really fast. So when I see it creeping into that level with a lot of momentum, I see Brent leading the way, I see a lot of spreads tightening, I see the backwardation persist across the crude curve. It looks to me like we're back in an upswing through the same set of prices that didn't really trade on the way down. And then you look over and you see Vladimir Putin makes a call for $100 oil. And I just say to myself, he just looked at the chart. I don't think he's doing anything crazy. It makes sense to me. So, you know, that's the way, that's the uh, part of the trade that we're in right now. It's kind of blue sky trading. And um, the complex looks great. You know, I'm looking for another 10 or 15 bucks at least before I think about taking profits and things like that. It feels like this ESG movement is really driving a lot of money into fossil fuels, doesn't it? Well, it sure looks that way. And, um, you know, if you just look at the causality there, we know that we've got uh, a lot of coal fire plants closing uh, in Europe, especially. Um, you have some emergency plants being pulled back online to generate more capacity. Uh, meantime, if you look at that chart, not sure if it's still up on the screen, but just rolling up, it's just a 45 degree angle, basically, uh, from uh, looks like the end of August until where we are right now, rolling from, uh, call it, uh, below 65, maybe 62, 63, uh, up to uh, just uh, south of 83 bucks, where it seems like we've closed out the day today, Tony. Yeah, you know, Ash, like I wrote last week, um, last Friday, I, I woke up seethingly bullish that the week finished as I expected. You know, the note I wrote was called Breakouts Win, and that is the theme of the market right now, you know, especially in the commodity complex where. You know, the, to me, the most obviously we're going to see a Bitcoin breaks through the 65k level. That would be tremendous. Although I think I would sell something here. Um, you know, you've got copper breaking through 10k um, and getting a nice $400 follow through. Now it's doing some back and fill. But with aluminum making new highs, you had zinc up 20% last week, which is a pretty good week for zinc. Um, the London Metals Index is now through the double top that it traded in 2006. And again in 2011, and now we're breaking through there once again as we pivot into this ESG movement globally, which is going to be consuming more and more base metal to build that infrastructure. And once again, we are walking into the hardware store looking for that stuff, and the cupboards are bare. So um, I can see I can see this continuing. I don't I don't see anything stopping it and turning it around dead in its tracks. We've finally seen the Federal Reserve come around. To you know, uh, accepting inflation, talking about tapering, et cetera, et cetera. So you know they've pivoted the boat as two-year paper goes bidless um, and trades up to forty basis points, doubling in two weeks. As five-year break-evens break out from two and a half percent to two and three quarters percent, market-based inflations are starting. Market-based inflation expectations 
are starting to say, holy smokes, look at that commodity rally. And it's interesting to see the commodities going along, um, the shortages in America that are largely due to protesting the vaccine mandates and the media trying to blame the inflation on the cargo ships that are stalled at sea. Right. So to me, this is just inflation that we've been waiting for since the Fed doubled their balance sheet, um, you know, in 2020. And so, you know, that's really what's going on. That's really what's going on when the currency is being diluted, when we're doing the borrowing that we're doing. That's the kind of thing that causes the hard asset rush and the pivot into the green economy at the same time exacerbates it. So that's what we're going to be dealing with for quite a while now. And uh like I said, I still feel like we're in the time where fresh breakouts are occurring. And if you go with them, you get paid, even though we're heading into the third, fourth quarter of the year. End of the fourth quarter, we're starting to see where sectors are going to shake out in terms of leadership. And um, I, you know, I like the way that our book is positioned on our side, which is largely in energy metals. We've got some Bitcoin on and uh, a couple of upsized positions in energy, too, which are working out well right now. Knock on wood, but we're not out. So that's how I'm looking at the world, Ash. Yeah, Tony, while you're talking about inflation, there's something I want to bring up, uh, which is a clip of a show that aired today on Real Vision. This is on Essential, Plus, and Pro, all of the tiers. Uh, it's Teddy Valley sitting down with the host, Christian Alexander, talking about exactly that point. Let's take a look at the clip. We've been doing a decent amount of work on inflation. I think it's completely, the narrative right now is it's transitory. It's going to go away. Um, and we're going to go back to sort of the normal. Uh, that to me seems like the probabilities of that happening right now, I think are probably 15 to 20%. The other 80%, I think on a year-on-year -year basis, of course, it's going to come down because it can't just shutting down the economy. It has to come down from based on the comps, but it's going to settle at a much higher level. So you're going to be probably anywhere from three to three and a half percent on inflation. Um, and most of the market right now is probably thinking, uh, well, based on where rates are, it's significantly lower than that. Well, there you have it. That's Teddy Valley sitting down with Christian Alexander talking about exactly that point, inflation. It sounds like Teddy Valley's got a call, 80% chance uh, inflation is going to run hot above target. Looks like his base case, three to three and a half percent, Tony. I think he's low at 80%, but I appreciate his uh, really, really high ranking of that possibility. And I think he's probably handicapping it right. Um, I may be getting a little bit excited watching the prices on the screen and knowing that the numbers are still wrong. Um, given what is going on, you know, both from the Federal Reserve, from the ECB and everything that's going on in the energy sector, um, you know, when that spills out into the food inflation sector and finally makes it really uncomfortable for, you know, the lower class to put food on the table, that's when we'll finally see if we get to a point where the ESG movement becomes so politically unpalatable that they have to do something about that inflation. But my sense is, this genie is out of the bottle, on the run, and there's nothing that's going to stop it in the near term. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Welcome back to Real Vision's Daily Briefing. Let's get right back to the top analysis of today's markets. 
Yeah, and maybe it's just a question of having to change the time horizons. Look, we all want green energy. We all want to be able to produce energy without carbon. The question is, what sort of time frame is it realistic to do it on? Uh, and you can't have uh, you know massive fuel shortages. You can't uh, have people uh, unable to get heat. Uh, unable to get power because there are challenges with the uh, supply disruption coming from uh, supply coming off the curve. Not a political statement. This is just about supply, demand, uh, price levels, and what's actually happening on the ground, Tony. To complement that, Ash, that's a great observation. Um, to complement that, I like watching the carbon capture ETF, KRBN, uh, because as all this is unfolding, where inflation is getting really, really hot, you're seeing you know, it's getting a lot of high profile. All of a sudden, the shares of carbon credits have backed off their one-way train. You know, talking about a 45-degree angle, the carbon credit chart starts at the bottom left-hand corner of your screen and goes through the top right-hand corner of your screen. All of a sudden, there's a little bit of a pullback. So it's interesting to see that relationship as you know, fossil fuels go wild and electricity prices go wild and coal prices go wild, and all of a sudden, the carbon credits say wait a minute, that's not all sustainable, right? So we'll see how that plays out. But I'm just starting to notice that relationship come into, come into focus a little bit. And it's not something you can hang your hat on every day, but it's something that I'm starting to observe. Hey, Tony, speaking about things going wild, questions coming in like wildfire right now. Uh, lots of questions. Anything else you want to touch on before we jump in and start taking some of these from the viewers? You know, I had a couple of notes, but I want to. Uh, yeah, there's one thing that I want to touch on, Ash, just really, really quickly that I think yeah. is very important. Uh, dynamic in the markets, right? We have we we have proven that we've gone through week after week after week, and we've seen um, a lot of action. And compared to what's going on in the dollar, right? We've noticed that commodities actually do okay, even in a strong dollar environment, giving us confidence in that commodity trade. Last week, we noticed that when the dollar stands still, commodities go berserk on the upside, right? We had that 10% week in copper, the 7% week in aluminum, et cetera. This week, with Aussie dollar rallying, two standard deviations today, um, rallying sharply versus the yen, putting a real dent in the dollar, the dollar index, the dollar sentiment, the dollar chart. I would say that if the dollar index now pulls back into that rainbow of support that we see on the screens, Due to this excessive headline inflation and the reactions in the bond market, that type of dollar weakness, the commodity sector and stocks are going to go vertical. That's my idea. Uh, very interesting. Very interesting. Um, speaking of which, talking about things we wanted to talk about before we flipped over to questions, I mentioned uranium uh, at the top of the show. Uh, give us your thoughts on what's happening there. Obviously, some significant price action happening in the uranium space. Yes. Um, I, the uranium space is fascinating. You know, it is as wild as it sounds like it should be. Um, but with you know, there's a new uh, who's the, who's the new player Ash that just announced another physical uranium ETF that starts with a K. I don't want to mispronounce it because I have a mental block against um, this name for some reason. But we'll look it up in a second. Uh, my point is is that if we start, if we continue to you know build this infrastructure. While this, uh, you know, equity investment infrastructure around physical uranium ETFs, while it become it looks more and more necessary across the portfolio of energy options to turn to pivot towards uranium as an actual much bigger source of energy than 10 percent of the globe, I think, that we're currently running at. It becomes more and more politically palatable because of the other things going on 
like people not being able to put food on their plate, you know, then you're going to see Iranian really get thrust to the forefront. And, you know, we'll be having some senatorial uh, discussions as to where and when we're going to be building nuclear plants. So that'll be an interesting pivot to see. And it seems like that's how it's playing out. You know, the Sprott physical ETF being followed up by another physical ETF, um, you know, and this whole really, really dynamic energy landscape that changes every day. Um, I think that uranium is obviously going to be with us for a while. Technically speaking, I'm looking at the chart. We traded from 11 to 18 in the Sprott ETF backed off to 13 and started rallying again, right? So right into the moving averages, as one would hope in a bull market, as one would expect, and off we go. So that's my thoughts on uranium. It's going to be in play, and uh, adding that new ETF is going to be, it's probably going to exacerbate the bid, isn't it? What is it, Kazataprom? Is that the one? Yeah, because yeah, it's a, yeah. I think that's how it's uh, pronounced, Kazataprom. Yes. Yeah, and it looks like, by the way, I'm looking at here. It looks like about 47 bucks a pound right now uh, for uranium. Uh, in terms of, it's it's tough to get a benchmark price on this. I don't know what you use. Uh, Wall Street Journal, it seems, uses uh, UXCLLC as their reference tracker. That sounds right. I have been using, uh, I don't even remember which account on Twitter posts the information every day where spot uranium is traded. I'll have, I would have to look that up for you. Yeah. Uh, okay, Tony, let's jump in because these questions are just absolutely ripping right now. Wow. Nice. Uh, let's yeah. go. Here's one that comes uh, from the. Uh, this is like from the exchange uh, and from the from the Real Vision site. We got two. One from Primal uh, and Primal and Todd. Uh, and the question is sticking with the metals theme. Tony, what's your view on silver? Silver. You know, I've been avoiding precious metals. I'll be totally honest with you. Um, for number one, the main reason that they have been performing horribly in this inflationary environment. Um, I, I would have been somebody that would have fought that, you know, a tooth and nail long ago and said, I'm just going to keep buying them because this inflation is so crazy. Um, it, I, they have to go up eventually. But and I know the stories about the London metal shortage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's been going on for decades. Um, I can't get behind precious metals when it seems to me like central banks look at precious metals as the global beacon for inflation. So if gold is trading 1900 close to 2K and silver is, God forbid, through $30, the Federal Reserve people have to answer all of the questions at the FOMC meeting about inflation going berserk. It seems like when central bankers are under pressure due to inflation, they figure out how to rally the dollar, which puts a little bit of a cap on precious metals, base metals. And sometimes you'll see other crazy selling phenomenon going on in gold while this is happening. So right there with this sort of uh, you know crazy visible seller in gold, the lack of performance as an inflation hedge, and central bankers drawing a target on it. And I'm sorry I'm throwing silver in the loop with that. But silver's not going to go to 100 bucks if gold's not going to rally. And, and it just doesn't seem like we're in a good mechanism market for that to happen right now. I could think of four or five other things that I would rather put money in than gold. That said, I am a holder of precious metals, gold and silver as sort of, you know, uh, worst case scenario, currency hedges in physical form, if that's fair. Yeah, it looks like gold trading right now at uh, 1769 bucks, spot 89 uh, and silver. Uh, looks like twenty three seventy seven is the price I see on my screen, Tony. Sounds right. Yeah. Um, 
Here's a great question uh, from Rami A. Uh, this comes to us from the exchange. Uh, this is Real Vision's internal social network uh, for Real Vision subscribers, where the conversation continues after this conversation. And the question is, uh, what does Tony think about cannabis stocks at these levels? Is it time to start nibbling? Holy smokes. I literally just tweeted before I went, uh, before we started the show, does anybody want to thank me for for calling the bottom or, you know, um, you know, jinxing the bottom of the cannabis sector when I tweeted last Friday that which sector of the market is just not participating in this rally, right? And I was asking if, if uh, you know, followers had any ideas and some names, some stocks in the cannabis sector. But my point was this sector is just bottomless. I can't explain why. It's not trading with technology, not trading with healthcare, not trading with the stock market. Please don't ask me what's wrong with it, right? When bulls get bearish, that's usually what happens when there's a price. And I, I don't mind commenting on cannabis. I have no position. I've had no position for months. Um, excuse me. I tried to buy it and I had to wind up turning around and selling it again. I bought it on the Bernstein upgrade. So, yeah, you know, over time, Remy, I think that this is probably the place to start if you're that type of investor to start putting some bids in on these 50, 60% discounts off the highs. Um, yeah, I think that's probably a good long-term strategy for me as a trader. I have to wait until I see a turn, a, a catalyst, a confirmation of the turn, and a whole bunch of other things before I can believe that this thing can trend higher again. Now, Tony, with that kind of volatility, that kind of price movement, do you care how it's trading relative to earnings, or are you just trading this on technical factors? Well, you know, it, it seems to be trading on sentiment and and uh, technicals for sure, Ash. Right? Like we had that big peak into federal legalization, and then it's been one-way traffic, you know, either aggressively or, you know, systematically from there. And, you know, even though stocks have been coming out with better earnings, I see expansions going on left and right. There's M&A going on, you know, Gage Cannabis went public, just got taken over. Um, you know, things when things like that are going on, you're like, wow, this sector should be healthy as a horse. You know, it, it's, it's growing all over the place. Earnings are real. Companies are doing better. And you look at the stocks, and they're going straight down. I mean, and that—that's a lesson right there for you know for beginners. When stocks are going down on good news, I tend to get the flying f out of the way. So since we've seen now, maybe we've reached a technical bottom where we've got this big two mag two sigma bounce off the lows today. I literally have to go back and comb through and see if it's on a particular headline. But at least that's a good start. Right, that's what you want to see. You want to see a number of those large magnitude moves in a row where the market says, no, this is the wrong price and we're going to get much closer to the right price very quickly. That's when I start getting interested when we break shorter term moving averages to the upside. Right now, that hasn't happened yet and I just got burned. So maybe it's a good time for somebody else, quite honestly, to dig right in because I'm going to be skittish about buying it now because I just, you know, coughed up a couple of percent, which I really don't care about. But um, it hasn't done anything to make me want to buy it back yet, if that's fair. Yeah, Tony, I have this to contribute from the fundamental side. If uh, the aroma in lower Manhattan is any index, demand is strong. <laughs> that's what everybody's been telling me, that in New York City, it's basically like a fog zone everywhere you turn. What are you going to do? Yes, that is it. Yeah. Uh, there was a sign uh, in the elevator off my building on the fourth floor, like, dear uh, residents, if you are smoking cannabis in your apartment, please go outside. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I totally respect that. I mean, that's got to be brutal if forced on somebody that doesn't participate in it at all. There, there will likely be some guidelines laid down, and there probably should be about it, right? I mean, yeah. 
you know, it's just, I mean, if we're not going to smoke cigarettes in bars, it seems like we should also be courteous and not blow up somebody's apartment. Right. I mean, just off the top of my head. Yeah. Just common courtesy. By the way, for those who are not in New York city, it is now legal to smoke cannabis anywhere in New York city where you can smoke cigarettes. Oh, that explains it. There you including, go. Well, I mean, including the sidewalk. Yeah, I don't even, you know, even as somebody that condones it and in most situations, um, I don't think that 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 it being everywhere is a good situation. And maybe I, I doubt that that lasts, you know, you know, when you walk through the streets of Amsterdam with with cannabis that's been legal for 25 years, the street doesn't smell like smoke. So hopefully we'll get through this like everything else. New York City is getting pulverized with right now. Yeah, I think some of it's also just transitional. They're building on-site consumption uh, places based on the on the legislation, uh, but that just hasn't had time to come online yet. So I think there's a little bit of a transitionary phase uh, here. We're going to take another quick break and be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Welcome back to Real Vision's Daily Briefing. Let's get right back to the top analysis of today's markets. By the way, Tony, I'm looking at these questions. Man, we have viewers that really follow your stuff. Like, these are great. Not just great questions, but they're great Tony Greer questions. That's awesome. Let's get to as many as we can. Do speed round if we have to. Here's one that comes to us from DR. It's from the Real Vision site. And the question is, does the pullback of Nat Gas to its 50-day moving average give us a decent entry point? Yeah, um, I can't argue with that. I'm, I'm staying on the bull side of energy. I am not a natural gas specialist, and I've, I've kind of... Uh, admitted that i just don't feel like i have the edge that i do in 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 um crude oil but given the situation with where you know we're we're going to be facing more and more you know like we're seeing in china like we're seeing in europe energy shortages probably energy curbs probably some kind of energy transition along the way like yeah i think owning natural gas is probably going to be a good trade the problem with it is that you don't really ever know when all of a sudden you know that it's it's gushing out of the pumps and you know you get blindsided a little bit but especially in a volatile a volatile electricity driven natural gas market so yeah. you know that that makes it very very volatile in the commodity itself I'm a believer that it is, you know, breaking out of a kind of quiet, sleepy range that it's been, that it was in around two dollars for a long time. I've seen it go to twelve twice, so nothing is going to surprise me. And um, I've been trying to stay in XOP, and I've been upsized to XOP in my newsletter for a couple of weeks now because of that trade. So so far, so good, and I think that you're on the right track with that one. Yeah, nothing sleepy about this show. Here's a question that comes to us uh, from uh, a guy or gal who goes by the handle Brent Crude from the Religion site. Uh, and the question is this, Tony, what is your take on why gold has been flat this past year despite all other movement in commodities and inflation, something you touched on earlier? Yeah, I feel like I answered that already, and that may be acceptable to him. Um, you know, I remember that last FOMC meeting when uh, Powell was defending himself against the transitory inflation call. Um, the dollar rallied right out of that alongside while he was, um, you know, giving his FOMC comments. Gold was getting smashed for 150 150 bucks in the New York time zone. 
Um, it can't get out of its own way right now for a lot of reasons. And to me, it's it, for me, it, all it is right now is a hard disaster scenario currency hedge. And that's how I'm looking at it. So I've stayed out of the way. Gold, gold miners have just hit my radar, having had two great weeks in a row coming off the bottom. If they start attacking moving averages, maybe there's a trade on the upside there. I'm not going to deny that. Um, I have found that right now I feel like I have too much of an edge in energy and in base metals to agonize over why gold's not going up like everybody else. Hey, talking of which, perfect segue. It's like you're reading my screen. This one comes to us from Ralph. I can see your Humphrey. screen. <laughs> now you're freaking me out, man. <laughs> Ralph Humphrey from the RV site. Uh, the question is, uh, what is the LME doing in the copper market right now? So London Metal Exchange, copper, what do you see happening there, Jerry? Well, like I said, that breakthrough 10K is significant. We've stayed above it since we broke through it this time around. You know, copper spent a long time consolidating above its 200-day moving average. It gave you probably, if I remember correctly, five chances to follow it lower on a breakdown where everything in the world said, including against the backdrop of a China slowdown, Copper might get slapped here. Copper just never get went lower, right? So every spike lower was steep in price, short in duration, and it came back right alongside, um, you know, that dollar staying still, uh, aluminum breakout that we're seeing, and and so now that copper's been unleashed through 10K, now that that LMEX chart is through that double top through 2006 and 2011, I am exquisitely bullish base metals through here, um, chest-beatingly bullish in my newsletter, if that helps. Yeah. Uh, here's a question I certainly don't have the answer to. I'm curious if you do. This comes to us from Hef from the RV site. Any thoughts on shipping stocks and or tankers? Yeah, yeah. All right. I I just got to give it to you honestly here because I spent five years, the best five years of my career, the funnest five years of my career at Dolman Rose. Um, you know, there was a shipping, basically a shipping and energy broker dealer. I got a really good look at the inside of the shipping markets. Um, while yes, they might be you know following along with this cargo ship scenario, this and the uh, supply chain tightening scenario, they are not stocks that I like to trade. Um, the hedge fund community that knows them way better than any retail guy out there um, is probably going to get you run over and blindsided eight ways through Sunday. So I, they are not something that to me is pleasant to traffic in. I don't want to say that they're not a good investment in this type of environment, obviously, where shipping rates are going through the roof. Um, you know, companies like Amazon are hiring private shippers to take goods around. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't doubt that there can be a sustained bull market. They are not my cup of tea. Um, having seen them on the inside, you know, it sounds like to me like they're a bunch of ships with, um, you know, a lot of financing attached. And some of them have a little hair under the hood, so you know they're not my they're not my uh, my strong suit. But I had a good time learning about them while I was at Dalman Rose. That's for sure. That was a great firm. Yeah, very interesting and very informative. Tony, I see there's a couple inflections of the same question here. Let me read two of them. Oliver M. from the exchange, a question for Tony on the BITO ETF. How does more demand for a Bitcoin futures ETF push up the underlying asset? One from Fred Cook from the Real Vision site. Uh, how do you compare the Bitcoin ETF to Bitcoin? I guess, Tony, just some general thoughts, how you're thinking about BITO versus Bitcoin right now. Yeah, I think it's caused a short-term top in Bitcoin. Um, I'll explain why. And I think you know, if you're the Bitcoin creator, 
you have, excuse me, if you're the ETF creator, you've got to start collecting some kind of inventory attached to the Bitcoin uh, price, whether they're, they're trading. I don't, I didn't look into the prospectus. I don't know if they're long futures or long um, Bitcoin itself against the inflow of funds, but you've generally got to get ahead of that flow to some degree and be prepared to sell it to investors at, you know, whatever level you're quoting your ETF at. So, I think that that's probably something that has happened in this super sharp run from 40k to 65k that's happened inside of a month that you know some of the ETF creators are getting ahead and getting some inventory built up. Right. Once once again, um I can't argue that the laser eyes have come alive and probably rightfully so given what the what Bitcoin's been through, they've been rewarded. Once again though, everybody is looking through 65k to say what's next. While it continues to be a great hedge to inflation, this seems like a good moment for it to pull back. That being said, if it's going to continue to respond to the inflation on the screens and rally with hard assets like the commodities index, you know, it's 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 easy for me to stay bullish Bitcoin, as I'm sure it is for you. Yeah, I'm not a deep thinker about this, but I'm kind of curious about what the case is here for individuals, retail investors to own this. Look, if you're buying uh, if you're buying an ETF that's based on futures, it means you're paying roll costs, you have potential negative roll yields on it. I don't know how clear the case is for retail investors to get invested in the underlying, uh, in, rather in the ETF relative to the underlying. It seems like the underlying is a better value proposition, maybe causing some short-term increase in the demand for it for those reasons, as you point out. Uh, but you know, to me, this looks like something for institutions uh, who just for whatever reason, because of the terms of their indenture, their agreements, uh, they have partners who don't want to be exposed to, uh, for example, uh, uh, the the uh, the futures. They want to uh, be able to own it uh, as a U.S. equity, so they buy an ETF. Uh, to me, that seems like it's um, I don't know. Maybe it's 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 a little bit transitory. But flip side of the coin also strikes me as something that's bullish that regulators are giving a green light to an ETF of any kind, futures or otherwise. Can't argue. Can't argue. You know, it's just going to allow more money to flow into, uh, you know, it's a bigger basket that lets more money flow into the sector, into the cryptocurrency world. And, you know, it's a self-fulfilling legitimizer. So, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of negative takeaways from the launch of an ETF. I can't say other than it may get the markets extra frothy ahead right. of that, and that's all. You know, it's, it's there's no there's no downside. It's not really a negative overall within yep. the dynamics of of high level trading. We'll find out if it's a sale here or not. It sounds like the worst that you can say about it in terms of are your thoughts. My thoughts are uh, worst case is it's less bullish than it seems. But yeah, no, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's 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 a good. I'm glad that it's out there. You know, it'll make it easier to follow. It'll tighten up everybody's arm as to where you know Bitcoin actually is. I know it trades at a lot of different places, but maybe we'll start centralizing that thanks to ETF trading, et cetera, and have one marketplace for it. I don't know. Sky's the limit, right? Yeah, TG. This was a real lightning round. We ripped it here. Good man. I'm glad. I appreciate that people care. I'm happy to answer any question to the best of my knowledge, which is very very slim. Tony, once again, we've run over, but we've got about 30 seconds. Final thoughts, if you'd like to wrap. I am so bullish, I can't see straight, uh, Ash. You know, the S&P just put it in unbelievable test. We skipped through the 50-day. We traded down to the 100-day on the Evergrande fear story. Um, our corporate credit markets got rattled for about a cup of coffee and a half. Um, they seem to have come back. 
Evergrande is not something that was ever going to derail the S&P. It was just a question of how much stress it was going to cause. I think that that's been diagnosed, put to bed, and we've had a lot of stock change hands and a lot of volatility in between. When I see hard assets leading the way, when I see the NASDAQ outperform the S&P, when I see big cap tech like FANG take off and uh, you know perform equal to the S and uh, to the Nasdaq up two percent, but by the end of last week, um, you know that is tough for me to fade. And so yeah, I'm extremely bullish this risk complex right now. We made it through a serious storm, and now we're going to plow our way to new highs into the end of the year. Well, you paint a compelling picture, Tony. Doing my best, Dash. I could be all wrong. I'm hoping not to become a poster child for sentimental tops, but you never know. <laughs> well said. Fun show. Thanks for joining us again, Tony. Great job, Slash. See you next Thank week. Thanks for watching, everyone. And thanks again for watching the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Tomorrow on RVDB, I sit down with Darius Dale. In the meantime, come chat with us on He's Real Man Exchange. Awesome. He's my favorite new guy in Fintwit. He does a great recap as well. He'll be a great conversation. Fantastic guest. Absolutely. Tony, thanks again. And thanks for watching, everyone. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.